All right, the Gopher Report podcast is back after a little bit of a hiatus, and it's, uh, hey, we're pretty pumped up. It's actually game week. Uh, Minnesota will host Michigan game days in the house in the Twin Cities. Uh, ABC, 6.30 p.m., a primetime game. So all eyes are going to be on this game, uh, number 18, Michigan versus number 21, Minnesota. Uh, quite a quite a nice way to kick off the 2020 season. So uh, Connor Alex is joining me uh, on this podcast. Uh, guys, how excited are you to finally kick off the season here? Feels like it's been a, a long time coming. I know, like, it's been a while since we've talked again. That was the last time we were breaking down the schedule. Uh, game day's coming. They're here. Uh, they're on campus. We're just a few days away. It's good to be back in the swing of things and good to see some Big Ten football after being teased by the SEC and uh, Big 12 the past few weeks. Yeah, I, uh, it, it's been, you know, with the year, you didn't really know where we're going to get football, where we weren't. It was an altered schedule. We lost football. And then all of a sudden now it comes back. And we're just, I'm just excited just to have it back again. And what a way to start with, uh, you know, with, with game day coming to town and, and uh, two ranked teams in the top 25, you know, meeting, meeting that night under TCF Bank Light. So I can't wait. I'm, I'm excited. Like I said, good to have Big Ten football back and, and ready, to, ready to get it rolling. Yeah, you think uh, Desmond Howard and Kirk Herbstreit's out on campus shoveling snow right now, or what? I think they're helping clear the stadium right now. Yeah. Yeah, if Mark Cohen knows what's good for him, he'll uh, he'll get Herbstreit out there and shoveling a little bit, getting the lay of the ground, uh, making sure it's nice and pristine for the uh, for the matchup on Saturday. Desmond out there like setting traps on Minnesota sidelines. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's, pra- he's practicing his cuts. Yeah, just making sure you know some of the some of the icier patches are over on the uh, on the Gopher sideline. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, big game. We've we've had a lot of stories uh, on our site, uh, just kind of previewing the game and and uh, going in depth on all that. But it's time for us to kind of talk about it and kind of uh, you know jibber jabber about what we've uh, what we've kind of wrote stories on and everything too. So obviously, big game. Um, you know, like we said before, um, just kind of a, a way for Minnesota to kind of open the season against another blue blood opponent in the Big Ten. And kind of, it's kind of a measuring stick game for Minnesota to, to really see where they're at in, in terms of the uh, upper echelon of the Big Ten program. So, uh, huge game for them, a lot. I think a lot on the line. Obviously, there's, you know, going into this game, you know, opt-outs, COVID-related issues, uh, being kept very close to the vest with P.J. Fleck, uh, no depth chart right now. So, there's a lot of unknowns with Minnesota going into this game in terms of depth chart, people that are out. Uh, so it could be a, probably a little bit of a challenge. Uh, guys, uh, I'll throw it to you first, Alex. What are your thoughts on kind of the secrecy of, uh, you know, depth chart, players out and everything like that for Minnesota going into this game? I get it. As, uh, as somebody who is, uh, you know, in, within the media and, and is paying close attention, you obviously wish that they – would give more information because you want to know what to expect. You want to know who's going to be out there and what the depth chart looks like. You know, that's half the fun going into the season is projecting the depth chart and who you think is going to be out there, who's taken a leap from last year, what maybe newcomers who haven't, you haven't seen on the field, you know, who's going to make a splash. So I understand, you know, why they do it, but selfishly, I think all of us fans wish that they at least release some sort of a depth chart or something just so we could get a feel for who we're going to see. 
And, I mean, it hasn't come out at this point. I don't think it's going to come out uh, no. until maybe right before game time. And, I mean, there, there's no point to. Um, some call it stubbornness. I know Sean referred to it as gamesmanship between the coaches. But uh, don't don't ask me to pick a winner in a stubborn battle between Coach Fleck and Coach Harbaugh. I don't think either of them are going to give in on this one. And, uh, I mean, I don't think it matters that much um, – both teams know the personnel pretty well. Um, there's new starters on uh, defense for both teams. So, I mean, there, there's a lot to learn. Um, no matter who's there, there's going to be things that you haven't seen necessarily on film against starters before. Uh, so I, I don't expect to see a depth chart. I don't really have a problem with it. Obviously, like Alex said, wish we had something to refer to. Uh, but we'll just go with our assumptions by now, and then we'll find out a couple days from now. And I think uh, one quick thing to note, too, I think having the depth chart released, sure, I think there might be some aspect to it where you think, okay, you know, X person's not in or X person's not playing. I think the biggest wonder, I will say, or is this the no film? Because um, ultimately, that's what, you're, that's what you're looking for is you're looking for schemes, you're looking for weak points. Who can we attack here? How do they play this? You know, playing certain coverages or playing certain schemes. You know, what kind of plays do they run on offense? And I think that'll be the biggest thing, not necessarily is who's doing the plays, but, you know, just what kind of plays are they running in general and not having really any preseason where even any inter-squad scrimmages or even those few non-conference games at the beginning of the year, we can at least get some sort of feel for our team's identity and what they like to do. I think not having that is going to be more of a, uh, you know, it's going to cause more issues maybe than certainly who's going to actually be on the field. Exactly. And there's mystery on both sides right now. Minnesota's breaking in a new offensive coordinator. So things obviously won't be the exact same as they were last year. And Michigan's breaking in a new quarterback, offensive line. They have some new weapons on the outside that are going to need to contribute. So, I, I mean, like you said, whether it's um, – it's it's not necessarily all about the depth chart. It's about what the guys that are actually on the field are going to do. And without the film, um, the depth chart's not going to do that much good anyway. Yeah, you mentioned uh, – you know, I mentioned it maybe gamesmanship. I kind of compare it to a game of poker between, like, Harbaugh and, and Fleck. They're just kind of sitting there with the cards in their hands and just staring at each other, and they don't want to, you know, show their hand, you know. So – but I, I'm, I'm like you guys. I mean, it, hey, it is what it is. I mean, you can either not release a depth chart, but in my opinion, it's almost comparable to, to teams that release depth charts with about a 1,000 orders on the depth chart. So, you know, it's it all kind of washes out in the end, in my opinion. Uh, I do want to bring up a uh, – before we kind of get rolling with our script here or our layout, um, I do want to ask you, obviously, trying times, there's probably going to be people out due to COVID-related issues, maybe some opt-outs too. Uh, Anti Callahan on our board said uh, – kind of brought up a good point and something I thought about too when I was listening to Fleck earlier this week in his press conference. He said, uh, you know, from listening to Fleck, he's definitely selling this year as, you know, crap's going to happen. Just have to be glad football's back, have fun. The kids will get another year. doesn't mean other schools are thinking that way. So kind of, you know, there's going to be some obstacles, and, you know, it's probably not going to go the way they really want to this year. I mean, do you guys get that feeling from listening to Fleck and maybe some of the players as well in press conferences this week? I don't, I don't know if um, that's necessarily the feeling I get. I think uh, – he, Coach Fleck is very good with um, just preparing for every situation, and uh, I think he wants to prepare everybody for that as well uh, on the outside looking in. 
that um, not necessarily that right now things aren't going to look like normal, but there's a, there's a chance that down the road that you look at this football team and due to some circumstances uh, out of their control, for the most part, it might not look the same. So, I, I mean, I, and that's everywhere across the country. So I, I think he's just uh, maybe preparing for that possibility. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think he's probably doing his, his, his part just to tamper. I don't say tamper expectations, but just tamper, you know, hey, there, like you said, there might be some things that happen this year out of our control where we might not have an X player for a game or a couple of players have to sit out for certain reasons. And I think he's, he's just doing a good job of maybe explaining that up front rather than maybe have some coaches on the flip side of the coin who are saying, oh, you know, we're going full steam ahead. You know, this isn't going to phase us, et cetera, et cetera. So... I think he's probably just kind of doing his part to, to maybe make sure everyone's not fully surprised if, if there were certain players that had to miss or be out for X reasons. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, I don't think anybody should be surprised if anybody is, you know, or, or multiple people are not. I mean, we're, we're seeing it right now with SEC teams and, and everybody else that's playing right now. I mean, everybody has issues. Uh, it seems to pop up and whether that's game cancellations and moving games around, I mean, you know, we're, we've already got a, a nice heavy dose of it already. So, I mean, that's probably going to happen throughout the big 10 season. It's going to happen to Minnesota. It's going to happen to everybody else. So um, yeah, but good points there. I always, I wanted to get you guys takes on that before we get started here, which I guess we're already started, but before we get started with the script here. So let's get, let's get to the game here. Uh, obviously big game. First thing we'll talk about, uh, is I want I guess each one of us give one key to the game and then we'll talk about maybe more keys to the game going forward. But uh, I'll start with you, Connor, on this one. Uh, give us your one key to the game you're kind of looking for uh, going into Saturday night here. Uh, one key I'm really looking for uh, for the Gophers to win is uh, scoring early and making Joe Milton beat them and really play quarterback. Um, I think Michigan's going to try to ease him into the game uh, get the run game going with uh, Zach Chabernet, uh and Chris Evans. But um, if the Gophers are able to score early and kind of make him throw the ball and make him make plays, uh, I think that's a good sign for the Gophers. And uh, it'll give their defense a chance to uh, really, I don't want to say pick on a quarterback getting their first start, um, but with an experience uh, secondary with guys like uh, Benjamin St. Juice and Coney Durr. Uh, I think it's a good matchup to get him throwing the ball early. Yeah, I agree. Uh, what do you got? Is Alex there? Oh, sorry. I, I, you kind of broke up a little bit there, uh, so I... Uh... All right, man. I just said, uh, I don't know what happened there. It sounded like aliens were uh, in the podcast, so... Michigan's Michigan's tapping our uh, right. our podcast lines yeah. right now. We got tap lines everywhere, man. We can't trust nobody. <laughs> Not in the tenth season. Yeah, go, go ahead with your. Uh, I guess your top key for the game, in, in order for Minnesota to pull off this win on Saturday night. Sure, um, I think my top key is going to be use your horses. Um, Tanner Morgan is returning as a you know, potential big 10 candidate, potential, you know, NFL draft stock people are talking about Rashad Bateman is going to be essentially solidified as a first round draft pick next year. Chris Ottman Bell is a phenomenal number two who had a lot of success last year as well. And Michigan is a team who doesn't have any returning starting corners. 
Uh, they do have one corner who played a little bit last year who, who's got some talent. Yeah, I think he has two maybe career starts under his belt. So he's gotten a little bit of playing time, but he's not a starter. And then the one opposite of him has zero starts, very little in-game uh, competition to his name. So you have a clear matchup on the outside that that looks in Minnesota's favor. Um, and especially with, with Michigan, who has two defensive linemen who are going to be you know NFL draft picks in the next draft. You have a linebacker who could potentially go in the NFL draft next year. They're going to be stout up front, and that's where their strength on the defense lies. So ultimately, use your horses, use Bateman, use Ottman Bell, the RPO that, that Morgan's such a master at. Continue to utilize that. And even though you might not always win first or second down up front, you have to at least try to move the ball down there to set things up behind them and go to your big playmakers where you know you have the advantage. Yeah, you bring up good points about Michigan's secondary. I know they've got the Ambry Thomas. He's opted out. He's like a future NFL or maybe a projected first rounder. Uh, and then you got Vincent Gray, I think, who's the guy that probably has the most experience on their team. But then you've got other guys that they're kind of shuffling around from safety to corner to kind of figure out who's going to be on that other cornerback spot. So, yeah, I mean, there's – there's some uh, there's some opportunity there for Minnesota and their wide receivers to take advantage of. Um, in terms of my key, it kind of it kind of goes off what you said earlier, Connors. Uh, to be a little bit more specific, I, I kind of wrote down defensive front or defensive tackle specifically. Uh, you know, stopping Michigan's run and almost forcing, like you said, uh, Connor, to kind of you know have Joe Milton throw the ball. You know, shut down that run game. Um, let an inexperienced quarterback try to throw the ball down the field. You're kind of playing uh, – then you're kind of playing in the Minnesota strength on, in the secondary too. Uh, like Alex said, you know, that's – you got Benjamin St. Juice back there. you got Coney Doerr. So, uh, you've got guys back there that can make plays. you got all Big Ten t- caliber players in the secondary. So, Milton's inexperienced. We've talked about his accuracy issues. Uh, I know he didn't have a lot of film, you know, in college, but even in high school he wasn't extremely accurate passer. So, uh, you know, take advantage of those uh, – those opportunities kind of force him to throw the ball and uh, you probably get some turnovers that way too. So that'll probably, probably help Minnesota out. Um, so that's mine. We've talked about you guys. Uh, any other keys that you guys want to talk about before we move on to the next topic? Uh, well, circling back to Alex's key um, and Rashad Bateman. Um, I know I saw earlier this week, uh, Don Brown and Jim Harbaugh said that they will not be double teaming or bracketing Rashad Bateman I think that's some more gamesmanship uh, <laughs> I, I don't really believe that they're going to let the inexperience uh, in the secondary especially at the cornerback position um, just be out there on an island with uh, someone like Rashad Bateman so uh, I, I agree it's important to get him involved and try to take the top off the defense but I don't think that Michigan's gonna make it as easy as they sound uh, so far I think you know it would be cool. You bring up a uh, you bring up a good point there, Connor. Is I hear aliens. And I'm sorry if my computer is acting like an alien or you know we're bugged or something. So can you guys hear me all right now? Yeah, you're good. Okay, good. Yeah, you bring up a good point, Connor. And and something that would be a fun game to play would be to hook up coaches uh, on polygraphs whenever they have press conferences and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be a fun game to play. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I, th- I think you'd see that line go uh, go up and down quite a bit. I don't think you'd see a whole lot of steadiness from that uh, from the the right the lie detector. <laughs> right, right. And 
Alex, uh, you kind of you kind of had like a three keys to victory on on offense and defense you did earlier this week, and you you kind of talked about Milton's inaccuracy. I mean, obviously they talk about he's got a cannon of an arm, and you know, some people compare him to Cam Newton. That's uh, you know a little bit overplayed, but you know it's good to have a cannon. That, it's good to have a cannon arm, but it doesn't really do you any good when you don't have a GPS system attached to it. So uh, you know, just kind of kind of give your take on Milton as a passer, and uh, just in your eyes, just kind of watching a little bit of film that that's out there on him. Yeah, so I watched his uh, – I went back and watched his high school huddle highlights. And, of course, you know, they're, they're highlights for a reason, you know, and he's a Division One athlete. So, of course, you know, every single Division One player looks amazing. And, and he certainly is super talented. Um, I did watch a nice breakdown of him on YouTube from a, a Michigan fan who took every single one of his snaps over the past year and, and, and broke them all down and did a nice in-depth breakdown of, of kind of Milton as a player. From an arm talent standpoint, certainly has a lot of that. Can you know has really good velocity. Can push the ball downfield in terms of just deep ball abilities. He can run. I wouldn't say he's a designed runner, but they do. He's not necessarily a, a, a you know scrambler or, or somebody who's going to you know with burners necessarily. But he does have enough there that they did run him occasionally. They got him outside of the pocket, and he can hurt you if you're not ready for it. But I wouldn't classify him technically as a runner. The big thing that where Milton will have to take a step forward. And, and what I saw from the breakdown is he struggled last year with decision-making um, in the time that he did get in, you know, he was, he was pushing into double coverage, not always reading correctly. Wouldn't always move on from one to two or, or certainly three. He kind of lacks a little bit in that area as most young quarterbacks do in terms of just going through his progressions and, and kind of finding the right, you know, play to make and where to go with the ball. So that will be interesting, especially now with not a ton of games under his belt this year, not really any warm-ups or, or probably mostly just internal scrimmages. You know, where is he? Where is he come with that? Is he still going to be pushing the ball down the field? Is he going to be making mistakes? Is he going to be pushing into double coverage? Or is he going to try to play within himself and just make the right play? Um, from an, like I said, from an arm talent perspective, I certainly think he all has it, but that's where he's ultimately going to need to grow is just in his decision-making. And, and that's going to be interesting where I think Minnesota has an opportunity with two veteran cornerbacks who are potentially all Big Ten candidates and Benjamin St. Juiced um, and Coney Durr, you know, they might have the opportunity to, to match up one-on-one on the outside and bring the house and have to force, force Joe Milton to make a play quickly and put it in the right spot. Additionally, I think they're going to probably send him some unique blitz packages, try to make him have to process things quickly and, and understand where to go with the ball and maybe try to get him in some robber situations. So I think that's the game Minnesota is probably going to play if they want to confuse him is mix up coverages, bling blitzes from different angles um, and really have to make him process things quickly. And then ultimately, you know, put a throw on the money and, uh, and I, I think that Minnesota is going to have some success doing that just from what I've seen. Cause I still think there's some room to grow there for him. All right. <clears throat> good deal. Good deal. Um, we'll move on and we'll talk about uh, just for Minnesota's side of things um, who are maybe the two most important players on offense and defense. So two important players on offense, two important players, most important players on defense during Saturday's game. How do you kind of, what do you kind of see there? I'll start with you, Alex, on this one. So a couple of players I think will be the most important. Uh, I'm going to go with Blaze Andres as the first one. He is uh, all third team, Big Ten last year. He is Minnesota's swing guy on the offensive line. And in terms of do we know exactly who's going to be out there, you know, what's the offensive line going to look like, ultimately he's going to be the guy that's going to have, have to adjust and to swing from, you know, maybe a left guard to a right guard or right tackle. Or you're going to be the one, he's going to be the one that has to move around. So he has to be well acquainted in both positions and really understand you know, where is he, you know, he going to be and, and still be able to play at a high level. So I think he's number one. 
And then my number two, uh, Micah Du Treadway. He's the starting one tech returning from last year. Michigan returns only one offensive lineman, Jalen Mayfield, potential first round pick from a year before. They have four brand new linemen, and they're going to want to run the ball with a brand new quarterback. It's going to be up to Micah Du Treadway and the other guys on the interior to shut down the run and make Milton have to beat him. All right, sounds good. Connor, uh, give us your uh, key players on offense and defense for Minnesota. My number one on offense for this game is going to be uh, Mo Ibrahim coming in. Uh, he he had a big year as a freshman, ran for over 1,000 yards. As a number two, kind of uh, rotating with Rodney Smith and Shannon Brooks a little bit. Last year, he ran for about 600 yards, and it's his show now. He's the lead back. He's got a couple of young guys behind him, but he's going to be the future guy. I think uh, establishing the run against uh, Michigan, they have some really good pass rushers on the outside. Uh, Minnesota loves to run the ball. P.J. Fleck loves to run the ball and control the clock. So I think they're going to need a big day from Mo Ibrahim to be successful. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, I'm going to go with uh, whoever is playing that other linebacker position uh, alongside with uh, Mariano Sorimar. And I know there's um, not a whole lot of there's not really a specific person we can point to right now. I think a lot of people think it's going to be James Gordon. Uh, Donald Willis could slide in there. Josh Ane uh, all have potential to be playing, and they could all rotate in and get snaps. But um, someone that's going to be disciplined, uh, don't fall for the play action and bite too hard. Um, don't give uh, the rest of your defense um, a chance um, to have to make up for your mistakes. Uh, so I think that second linebacker position is going to be huge. Yeah, I uh, definitely agree with you there. A um, couple of things I've got on, on my end in terms of offense. Um, I kind of just wrote down tight ends, whether that's Jake Paulson, Brevin, Spam, Ford. Um, obviously, Mike Sanford Jr. is your offensive coordinator. He's going to be calling the plays. Um, I'm pretty familiar with him during his time as a head coach here at Western Kentucky. He liked to utilize his tight ends a lot in, in pass-catching situations. So I think that's going to be a new wrinkle in Minnesota's offense. So I, I, w I would think those two guys would be, uh, would be primed to kind of ha maybe have a breakout game in terms of pass catching in this one. And uh, also on defense, I, I had, uh, I had uh, Dude Treadway on there as well, but I'll, I'll also throw in maybe Keontae Shad, who, who um, you know, obviously are guys you think there, there will be uh, – he's a guy that you think will play uh, next to uh, Dude Treadway on the defensive line. And it kind of goes back to what I said earlier in terms of defensive tackle positions of the interior guys. Uh, trying to get that push up front, stop the Michigan run, and uh, obviously put a lot more pressure on Joe Milton to throw the ball into Minnesota's obviously uh, uh, secondary, which is highly experienced and can do some damage back there. So those are my, uh, I guess, two or two or three. I kind of cheated, I guess, on offense, and naming two guys. But uh, those are my kind of most important players for Minnesota. Um, do you guys have anything else to add? Uh, just in terms of other players maybe to keep an eye on that we didn't mention you want to kind of throw out there that maybe you see like a mismatch somewhere or anything like that uh, with Michigan? I think it's going to be interesting to uh, watch that third wide receiver position and who establishes their role there because we know Rashad Bateman, Chris Altman-Bell are the one and two guys, but who's going to be that number three? Is it going to be Daniel Jackson? Is it going to be Doug Amelian? Is it going to be Michael Brown-Stevens? Uh, so I think that's something uh, that is going to be really big to watch and see who can take pressure off the other pass catchers on the Gophers. 
One guy uh, or one position I think is going to be one to watch is we've all kind of been waiting all spring and all fall to see who's going to take ownership of the nickel corner spot now that Chris Williamson's in the NFL. Since there's, of course, no depth chart, we still don't exactly know who that's going to be. But it looks like it's going to be between a guy, uh, Justice Harris, who's a senior who played a little bit as a freshman and then mostly special teams the past couple years, or Solomon Brown, who's going to be a redshirt freshman, look like the two that are battling it out for that position. Uh, Michigan wide receiver um, Nico Collins is the best one returning. I did watch a little bit of film on him. Very shifty, very good after the catch. Um, and he's ultimately, gone, right? Yeah, he's oh. Not- yeah, he's Ronnie up. Bell, yeah. Ronnie Bell's back, Collins. Ronnie Bell. Bell, sorry, sorry. Hand <laughs> up, hand up there. Ronnie Bell is who I meant to say. Uh, Ronnie Bell is the guy that they, they're returning back. And he's, uh, he's very shifty, very quick. Um, and I think he's a guy that, that they want to get the ball into his hands. And that's where the obvious mismatch would be from a Minnesota defensive perspective is if they line up in the slot and let him go to work. So whoever that might be, whether it's Justice Harris or whether it's Solomon Brown, they're going to have to match up with Ronnie Bell and ultimately have to hold their own in order to keep him in check. All right, good stuff, Alex. Yeah, Nico Collins is opted out. Looks like he's NFL bound. I think he signed with an agent, too. So, uh, I know earlier in the week, Harbaugh said they asked him if it was a possibility he would come back. I, don't, I think he was kind of on the fence about that. So, yeah, you mentioned that's a off, big offensive weapon for Michigan that won't be around. But, yeah, Ronnie Bell is definitely a guy wide receiver-wise. Probably, their, like you said, their best playmaker. I know talking to Chris Bayless at their Michigan site, at our Michigan site, uh, he said Ronnie Bell had the best vertical of uh, all the wide receivers on the roster. So definitely something to watch out for there. Um, we'll move on. Uh, time for one bold prediction. This isn't a score prediction yet. We'll get to that. But this is actually just a just a bold prediction, whether it be stats from somebody or anything like that. So, uh, Alex, I'll, I'll start with you here. What's your one bold prediction uh, coming from this game? I'm going to go Chris Ottman-Bell, two touchdowns. As I said before, they have Vincent Gray, who is returning. I think he'll match him up on, on Bateman most of the time, and they'll maybe do a little bit of safety over-the-top help as well. That obviously leaves Ottman Bell on the other side with a brand-new corner who we think we have a clear advantage there for. So I'm going to go Chris Ottman Bell, two touchdowns, in the Gophers win. I'll see you, you – uh... You didn't. Uh, you didn't do a good job. You spoiled the next part. You said, "Go." <laughs> yeah, I threw a little. I threw a little little hint out there for the uh, for the next segment. <laughs> little little things. You didn't get the score. You just said, "Go for his win." You know. Yeah, dangle the carrot in front of the listeners. All right. <laughs> uh, Connor, uh, what's your uh, one bold prediction for this one? Uh, my one bold prediction is that one of the freshman wideouts gets his first touchdown in a very big game. Um, I think it it'll either be Daniel Jackson or. Doug Amelian, I'm, I'm uh, leaning towards uh, saying it'll be Doug, Douglas Amelian, but not sure yet. But I think they're both very good young talents. They got uh, Daniel Jackson out of Kansas, had over 25 touchdowns last year. Uh, Doug was playing on an American Heritage team that was very talented, and he was their best receiver there. I, I think uh, they pulled him out of SEC territory. I think they got two really good ones who are going to be future Gophers, and uh, I think one of them is going to get their first score against Michigan in their first game. All right. Um, I'll, I'll ask you a secondary question, too, on that score. Is it going to be from plus 10 yards out? What are you, what are you thinking there? Uh, it's a little too early to tell. I, I just uh, have a feeling one of them's going to reach the end zone. I don't know if I can answer the second part for you yet. Come on, man. Just go crazy. Just give me a number, dude. It's all right. Uh, I'll go 17 yards in the third quarter if you want me to get too specific. 
I like that. You went from you, – you exceeded my expectations there with that response. So, thank you. Yeah, so when they get in the red zone in the third quarter and they're right at the 17, just remember yeah. what I said. Actually, I'm writing this down. Hang on a second. Guys, <laughs> entertain yourselves for just a minute here. Yeah, I wonder what the line is on that. I don't know. We'll have to look at Vegas. Be making some serious money. You said third quarter. I mean, you got a particular minute in the third quarter? Or? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I, I think I'm specific enough for now. May have to get that. May have to get that almanac from Biff from Back to the Future and see what's up. <laughs> so, all right, my uh, my uh, one bow prediction is Boy Moff has three sacks. Uh, obviously, uh, Michigan's replacing four uh, very talented offensive linemen. Obviously, the three of the guys are replacing uh, those four spots with do have a, do have some playing experience, so they're not not exactly green, but they're uh, not as experienced or as talented as they are last year. So uh, obviously, and and it may not be a lot of. I'm I'm saying three sacks. It's probably not going to be uh, because of bad offensive line play. I think it'd be more of indecision from Joe Milton. So uh, you know, I could see a guy like uh, Bomoff, uh, Boymoff having three sacks. So there's my. Opinion. And uh, with with Boymoffe, I mean, someone's got to replace the pass rush production that Carter Coughlin had he was kind of the guy last year that uh, did most of the work in that area and a lot of people are really high on Boya Mafe he, he's uh, one of Bruce Feldman's college football freaks he's a super good athlete uh, he, he's really developed according to the coaching staff so I, I, I don't think that's a bad prediction three sacks is a lot that'd be a huge game I think he'll uh, um, get a lot of recognition nationally if that happens and his name <laughs> might pop up on draft boards. But uh, I like it. It's a bold prediction. Yeah, that's why we call them bold predictions, Connor. you got to go out there on a limb, man. You know? <laughs> I'm not going to go uh, – I'm not going to go uh, Boye Mafe, three sacks, uh, one in the – late in the third quarter. The, You're uh, not going to timestamp it? Two in the same. <laughs> right. <laughs> I should. Maybe I should. Uh, All three of them, yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> First one at the set, the uh, five minute and thirty five second mark of the first quarter. <laughs> no, nah, I wouldn't. Do that. Uh, but yeah, I, I I can definitely see. Like I said, it's three sacks, but I can see him getting a couple at least, uh, just from uh, Joe Milton being a little inexperienced, like Alex said, being a little indecisive in his decision making too. So, um, all right, good stuff. I like the bow predictions, man. Uh, we'll keep those coming throughout the rest of the season. Uh, so now we'll move on. Any other? You guys want to throw out any other boat predictions while we're while we're on topic here? Just want something out of your uh, off the cuff here. I think we've gotten bold enough for for this podcast. <laughs> I think we can go to the score predictions. Yeah, <laughs> time to time to go back home after uh, being out late. All right, score predictions. It is so. Here we are. Um, I guess Connor, I'll start with you. Uh, give us your score predictions for this game. Uh, yeah, I think it's gonna. Uh, I'm gonna go 24 or 28, 24. Uh, Gophers win the opener. Um, I, I think the offense and everything that they have returning is gonna be too much. Michigan replaces a lot on defense, and uh, I think it's a lot of talent, but it's a lot of guys that don't have real game experience yet. Uh, and there's a big game under the lights. Uh, Gophers are gonna be up for it. Uh, PJ Fleck will have them ready, and uh, Minnesota is gonna start one and zero. All right, sounds good, Alex. You're next. As I uh, as I dangled the carrot a little bit earlier, I'm going to go Minnesota 27, Wolverines 21. 
Michigan does have a lot to replace offensively, a little bit of inexperience in game inexperience, I should say, from that perspective. Minnesota, um, the ultimate strengths they have as an offense, their wide receivers and their quarterback, they're going up against Michigan's, uh, I want to say weakness, but must also unproven uh, position in the quarterback. So I think Minnesota's going to make enough plays defensively to, to make life difficult for Joe Milton. Michigan's going to be tough. They're always going to keep it, it close and probably make a few plays as well. But I think ultimately Minnesota 27, Michigan 21. All right. Two for the Gophers. I'm going to be the bad guy. So here we go. <laughs> somebody, has to, somebody has to do it. Somebody has to be the bad guy. Might as well be me. I'm going to go Michigan 28, Minnesota 24. Same kind of score level that we're all thinking. But um, here's, my, here's my thinking. You know, we don't know who the opt-outs are. We don't know, you know, who all is going to be playing. Um, defensive front, I, I'm, I'm good with who's probably going to be projected to be starting. But the depth behind it maybe lacks a little bit of uh, experience behind those guys. So kind of worried about that. Obviously, the other linebacker spot as well. Um, so, uh, just putting all those factors together, you know, is Minnesota going to have enough bodies to pull it off? And uh, I, I kind of think they'll come up a little bit short. But I, I think they'll show a lot of fight, though. But they'll just have to they'll come up short and just in that regard. So, uh, that's my bad guy prediction, Michigan 28, Minnesota 24. So, there you go. Thoughts on my bad guy prediction, guys. <laughs> Me. Well, I think I think it's wrong, but no, I'm kidding. <laughs> hey, like I said, somebody somebody has to yeah, play the really bad guy. Mi- Michigan is a Michigan is the higher ranked team, so you certainly you certainly see the perspective, and and it's going to be. We both are all you know within five six points of each other, or five six points total. So we all think it's going to be a low scoring game and going to be a battle. So it's, it's going to be whoever makes the most plays and doesn't you know hurt themselves ultimately. Right. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a fair prediction. We all like Alex said, we all have close games. They're two good teams, very similarly ranked. Uh, it's early in the season. Uh, game one's always kind of a mystery. Uh, Michigan's a big name team. They're gonna come out uh, like a big name program and try to get some respect that they think uh, maybe they haven't uh, quite gotten at this point uh, in the preseason. So I think it's gonna be a great game. I have nothing, no problems with your prediction. Yeah, you do. Just, <laughs> oh, no he doesn't want to say it. <laughs> oh, no problems with it. I remember last year in the Penn State game, we went on and I picked Penn State to win and Alex had Minnesota. So he let me hear about it a little bit afterwards. So just know that uh, if you're wrong, uh, we'll let you hear. I will it. find you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Well, yeah, I don't know. What, does anybody know what the updated line is on Vegas? I know it was kind of a toss up game. I think. I think Michigan was like favored by three or three and a half or something like that last time. Yeah, I think it started at Minnesota minus yeah. two and a half or minus three, and then a uh, Michigan fan completely swung. Have, yeah, must yeah. have pushed it because I think it's now minus three the other way. Okay, well, still, I said that, like I said, it's pretty pretty close, and these first games are always intriguing to watch because, I mean, I don't think. I think it's pretty safe to say, and you you guys can chime in. I don't think we're going to see a I don't think we're going to see a clean game by both teams by no means. I think there's going to be some sloppy play and some turnovers come into effect. So, I think it'll be whoever takes advantage of those turnovers. So, um, so yeah, I mean, for, first games are always a little bit sloppy. It seems. First games are always weird, and usually you get them out of the way when you're playing like uh, you know mid mid Arizona State University or somebody that kind of down south or. or you know, a smaller, co- smaller college, yeah, that you're able to uh, able to work the kinks out. But 
we, you know, we don't, nobody gets that luxury this year. You barely even, you know, you've only been scrimmaging your own team for the past six months. So it's going to be interesting to see. I also one quick note. Um, I'm going to try to become a meteor- meteorologist in my spare time. It is going to be 27 degrees in cold, balmy Minnesota. Uh, five mile per hour winds does not look like any precipitation at the current moment in time. So factor that into your uh, analysis, gambling, a choice of outdoor versus indoor seating, et cetera, when watching this game. Sounds good. Mid-Arizona Western State, what's their mascot? Uh, they are the uh, Bearcats, of course. Okay. okay. <laughs> Everyone knows that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think there's, yeah, everyone knows there's Bearcats in, in Arizona, right? Uh, I think so. I think so. Oh, sounds good to me. Yeah. All right. Good deal. All right. Moving on. Um, obviously, we did score predictions for the game that we're all focused on. But um, you guys want to do? You guys ready for your Big Ten picks around the Big Ten? Yeah. Let's just. We don't need to break these games down. Let's just. Uh, yeah, let's just, quick, just, just maybe quick, run down the list. Just quick uh, hit. Yeah. Just we'll just run down the list. I don't. I don't know if we need to spend too much time breaking down all these games. But, Sean, you want to start us off with uh, your picks? And then we'll, we'll keep track of these on the site so you'll know uh, how smart we are or how dumb we are down the line. Right. We're going we're gonna to have a, a staff predictions uh, article we're going to post tomorrow. So all these, all these predictions will be on there. So uh, we'll keep it with them throughout the season, have a little fun, and, and make fun of each other as well. Uh, so, yeah, I'll start off, Connor, I, even though I thought I was hosting the show here. But, yeah, I'll go ahead and go first. Not this segment. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go uh, Wisconsin, 35-13 over Illinois. Purdue, Steamrose, not Steamrose, Iowa, but they defeat Iowa, 29-24. Ohio State doubles the Cornhuskers, 42-21. Northwestern, 31-17 over the Terps. Indiana pulls off the upset, 38-28 over Penn State. Michigan State, 30 to 13 over Rutgers. Shiano's got some work to do, boys. All right. Uh, you, got a couple, you got a couple upsets in there. Yeah, I do. Yeah. So I'm mixing it up, man. Bold predictions. Well, this that segment passed. This is just the score predictions now. All right. I like it, though. If, if uh, things go different, you're going to be ahead in the rankings early. So I respect it. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta. I'm trying to jump out, out the gate. You know, I think, uh, I think Penn State's kind of primed for a first game upset. I think that's at Indiana, so they'll be hyped up for that. So, Indiana's a good team too. Yeah, exactly. They've got a good quarterback. They've got a lot of, got a lot of good pieces coming back. I think they could probably pull that off. Mm-hmm. All right, who's next, Connor? You're the host. All right, uh, Alex, I'll let you go. <laughs> All right. Um, I will go Wisconsin over Illinois, 45-17. to 17. A little revenge game from Illinois beating them last season. Purdue, 24-14 to 14 over Iowa. Ohio State in a big win, 56-24 to 24. Um, at the Horseshoe. I think they're going to pour it on in Nebraska, trying to get some, some style points. Northwestern, 21-14 to 14 over Maryland. Penn State, 38, Indiana, 27, and then Michigan State rounding it out, 31 to 20 over Rutgers. I, uh, I've got a question. I mean, uh, Alex, do you think Kevin Warren's, like, calling Ohio State's like, yeah, yeah, hey, take it to, take it to Nebraska, take it to Nebraska. 
<laughs> One million percent. <laughs> you know, he's Nebraska. Nebraska was riding him for the past however many months, wanting football, and now it's this is the perfect uh, perfect time for Ohio State to just pour it on and, and kind of you know dig him into the dirt a little bit. So I, I think he's he's probably hoping for a for a big win from them. Yeah, but the thing is, Ohio State was kind of in the same boat too. So very yeah. true. Maybe you should. Understandably from them because they're they, they have a chance to compete for a national championship right. and not saying Nebraska can't but it, it would be you know it's, it's it would be much more unexpected per se yeah I'm not sure they need a phone call to to get that done but um <laughs> well, not not when everybody's uh, you know like listening on our conversations man the Big Ten's everywhere very true very true all right I'll uh I'll finish it up with my picks I got Wisconsin thirty one seventeen over Illinois. Uh, I got, I'm the only one with Iowa winning. I'm surprised about that. I got 35, 21, Iowa, uh, Nebraska and Ohio state. I got Ohio state winning 52, 17 Northwestern 24, 20 over Maryland, Penn state 31, 28 over Penn state or Penn, over Indiana. And then, uh, I'm going to go a little different. Uh, I'm a Shiano fan. I think they're going to get a big first win of the era. 28, 24 Rutgers. Wow. wow, game game one, game one. Yeah, I, that I mean, you talking about me going out on limb? That's that's pretty. That's going out on limb there. Game one upset. If there's a time to beat Michigan State, it's probably this year. So uh, I think that might be a battle for the bottom of the Big Ten East. So let, let's see who gets it. I don't know. The bottom of the barrel bow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sounds good. We'll uh, make sure. Uh, I should have wrote. I should have wrote you guys down so you're not. Make sure you guys aren't cheating whenever you actually put it in the article. So. No, I I got them saved in there. Don't worry. Okay, I, I trust you guys. So, um, so you guys, little brown jug. Let's uh, before we go. Uh, you guys are pretty. I mean, I, I'm familiar with the jug and everything like that. I mean, do you, whenever, uh, like if Minnesota wins, are they gonna drink? drink liquids out of that they're gonna drink a little uh adult beverages or <laughs> no they're they're just raising it that's a little they're too old to... okay okay they don't like Gatorade <laughs> in there and drink it drink Gatorade out of the jug or anything like that uh no okay there's got to be I'm sure there's some type of disease I would come with that <laughs> <laughs> I get, get lead poisoning <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, in the, in the time of uh, of spreadable diseases that we live in, the little brown jugs probably <laughs> probably <laughs> example one for for something that you don't want to drink out of. <laughs> yeah, what what was I that? Guess. The early nineteen hundreds that was made. That's the last thing I'd want to be drinking out of right now. Yeah, you might need a tetanus shot after you drink something out of that, right? Yeah, seriously, <laughs> it's going to bring back a disease from from that era. Yeah, scurvy. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> polio or something <laughs> all right guys uh you guys got anything else to add before we uh hop off here uh no sir uh we'll be we'll be back with the post-game show break down what we saw um what went down in the little brown jug game either uh celebrating mine and alex's predictions or uh sean will uh, rub our nose in it a little bit so uh that's all i got all right, yeah, we'll stay, stay tuned for uh, more good coverage at the Gopher Report. Obviously, when the game's going on, we'll have a game thread up. So uh, we'll all be in the game thread, um, just kind of giving our takes on what's going on and, and everything like that. So we invite everybody to join us over at uh, the Gopher Report, minnesota.rivals.com. And uh, we'll 
appreciate you guys hopping on and a great podcast and we'll see you guys next time.